0: It causes depression and anxiety. It's responsible for low self-esteem and eating disorders. It's responsible for bullying and severe trauma. It rewires the brain of the young, causing serious mutations in neurological pathways. It's responsible for people not getting jobs, being fired from jobs, and it keeps people from getting high-capacity jobs. It's responsible for the loss of relational intimacy in couples, enlarges the relational gap between parents and their children, and is a primary driver in feelings of loneliness and isolation. Since its introduction on college campuses, the number of students seeking help for mental illness has increased drastically. If I were to ask you to stop it, you'd call me old-fashioned, you'd get defensive, and upset, but if I were to promote it and push it, you would call me reckless and uncaring. I want to welcome all of you guys joining at our different locations, online and inside. Uh, I want to thank you so much for being a part of our church. Special shout out to our Kirkuk location celebrating their nine-year anniversary. We're incredibly proud of you. Super thankful to A.J. Furman. You really are a dear friend and one of the best pastors I know. Very thankful for Jason and for Ashton and all the team that is assembled there in Lee County, the county that I grew up in. And I'm thankful that you guys are trying hard to make that the hardest place on planet earth to get to hell from. Um, I'm very thankful for our partnership in the gospel. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time. We are in a sermon series called Reclaim restoring what was lost and fixing what is broken. And I believe that every person that can hear my voice right now wants a better life, better relationships, and a better family. However, our desires and our intentions, if not followed by actions in those directions, will result in a widening gap between our experiences and our expectations. When God was establishing his relationship with his people, he had just brought them out of Egypt. He was moving them into the promised land. He issued this decree through Moses. Look what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then he explains what that would look like. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is what an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ looks like through the lens of the Old Testament. We are to talk about God when we get up and when we lie down. When we sit at the kitchen table and when we're driving along the road with our kids, the word of God is to be in our hands and on our minds and coming out of our mouths. The sad truth is we have done this just not with God. We have done it with our technology and we have done it with our social media. The things I listed at the very beginning of the message are all things associated with social media in today's day and age. Our living rooms are now centered around a TV where we stream and binge. We used to have to watch a show and then wait a full week to catch the next episode, but now we can burn through several seasons of a show in one reckless weekend. When we sit at the table, our phones and our iPads join us. When we get in the car, there is a TV and the headrest and there is a charged tablet in the pocket, because God forbid we have to spend time with our kids while we're driving. When we get up in the morning, the first thing we check, the thing we check before we go to bed, we have tied our technology to our hands and it is the thing that dominates our minds. How many of you have seen this? This is one of the saddest pictures you might ever see. Oh, here's another sad picture. And before we get all judgy, if somebody were to take a picture in your house yesterday or last week, I bet you wouldn't have to look that far before you could easily find yourself in this picture. How many of us throw AirPods in while we're driving around town so that way we don't have to interact with the people that are in the car with us? I find it incredibly ironic that tech companies are hiring attention specialists – to create algorithms designed to keep you and I scrolling while at the very same time they are sending their kid, or they are keeping their kids off of social media and sending them to private schools that limit technology. Uh, there are certain people that are saying that in the future there will be two classes, the ruling class and the working class. The ruling class will be comprised of people who stayed off of social media, limited their technology because they will have developed problem-solving skills, long-thinking skills because they have a longer attention span, and relational skills. And the working class will be those who were on social media, heavily addicted to technology. They have shorter attention spans, less relational skills. There might be some of you right now who are doubting the validity of our problem. You might be thinking, oh, this is a problem for other people, but not in our wholesome Midwest communities. So, uh, we spent some time taking a video of our own kids. And I want you to see what they had to
1: say. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, I have a time limit on my phones. Yeah, we do. Yep. Yes. No. Not early. Not really. Not usually, but depending on the on the day, sometimes. Uh, that you are not allowed to have screens during the weekend after school. Only an hour of screen. It's like on my iPad for fourteen hours, and then <laughs> that's done. It sends tons. 30 minutes on my bed. I get it from like 8 in the morning to like 8 at night. I spend on it as minutes. Oh, six minutes? Okay. Six minutes. Oh, seven. Seven be a hundred minutes. Oh, that's a lot of minutes. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah, if we had some fear. Sometimes I do feel like they should follow these rules because sometimes my dad gets lost. I feel like they should because most of the time, like, after work, they usually just get on their phone and just look at Facebook. Sure. <laughs> it's not good for your eyes. No. They don't, but they should because they're on their phones, like, the whole day. No, because they could have emergency calls, emergency texts, and they get to for work and stuff. Um, all the time. Pretty much all the time. Every day. A lot. They're always on the phone for 24 hours. My dad, all the time. Flying car Most of the time. But well, my dad do it a lot, but he is when my mom reads sometimes. Well, not often. Really like Facebook or TikTok. Sometimes Facebook. Actually, a lot of times Facebook and YouTube. Like games. My dad uh, games. Maybe we just go on Facebook, look at different things at what what people post. To get away from me and my sister. I don't know addicted to facebook it's the only thing they do either they're bored or they just don't they don't know what to do because they have businesses and they have to take phone calls a lot uh they're bored and they don't get to do a lot probably to get money for all of us and uh probably take a break because they have five kids because they um because they um watch um things on their youtube phone cool.
0: No judging, we could have done those on all kinds of kids, we all get it. So then we also sent out a survey, and we had uh, you guys fill out the survey, and then we had your kids fill out a survey, and I just want you to know what our people, us, this is us, what we're saying. Um, Stats on kids, ages 10 to 20, they're averaging five hours and 14 minutes on a device every single day. Parents think their kids are spending three hours and 22 minutes. So we're thinking they're spending too much time on it. That's what I hear universally from parents. And collectively, we think we're, they're spending three hours and uh, 22 minutes. In actuality, they're spending five hours and 14 minutes. That's their screen time. But then, you know, let's not just blame the kids. Let's look at older people too. Let's look at the uh, 20 uh, and 30-year-olds, four hours and 47 minutes. Let's look at the 30-year-olds, four hours and five minutes. Don't worry. You know, as people get older, more mature, when people get into their 40s, um, Oh, dang it. Um, some of you right now are employers and going, hold on a second. I think I might be paying for some of that Facebook time. Yeah. You are. <laughs> you are. Uh, 50 and six, uh, 50 to 60, 3 hours and 34 minutes. All right. Well, probably, you get you know, what about the 60-year-olds in our church? 3 hours and 17 minutes. So, I mean, they've got the Fox News app, which is awesome. They're, they're surviving. Uh, what about the 7, okay, 2 hours and 49 minutes. Okay, I mean, do we have any 80-plus people? Oh, my goodness. The only difference is the 80-plus people just fell asleep a little bit earlier. Like, hey, they just they fell asleep mid-scroll. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's another question we asked. God bless you. Uh, we asked kids between uh, ages 10 and 16, were asked if they think their parents spend too much time on their phone. 50% of them said yes. Let me, let me speak to that for just a second. I think it's hard for your kids to out you when somebody asks a question. And I think there's a protective nature there. We know this, right? If our screen time usage is in the four to five hours a day, we know it's too much, right? Let me, let me show you this one. We had asked kids, would you rather have fun with mom and dad or play on a device? 83% of them chose you. are like, nope, (laughs) not going to do it. And listen to me, not all of you are in the 17%. Which means I know you're going, man, I want to spend more time with my kid. Just so you know, your kid actually wants to spend more time with you. Check out this statistic. 96% of your kids said they like doing fun things with you. I don't know who this 4% is, but they're they're a tough group. Here's what I hear. I hear parents saying, my kids are always on their device. And I want to say uh, two things to you. One, you are still the parent. God has ordained you to be the head of your homes. And you can make decisions and change the culture of your home. You have that authority. If you don't like it, you can change it. They want to spend time with you. They would rather make a memory with you than play on a device. That's what they're saying. Second thing, before you get too upset at the amount of time that your kids are spending on their device, realize that they are probably just mimicking how much time you are spending on your device. So we asked these uh, younger people, or we asked you in the survey, to write a letter to your younger younger self about what you would tell your younger self about technology and social media. Look what they had to say. Dear younger self, don't get social media. You will get attached and compare yourself to others in your everyday life. Love you. This is from a 17-year-old female. How about this one? It's a terrible addiction that I wish I would have limited from the beginning. You miss out on so much time with friends and family when your nose is constantly in your phone. It's just not worth it. 19 year old female in our church. How about this one from a 22 year old female? I would warn my younger self about strangers on the internet trying to contact you. That sounds like it's written from a place of pain and experience. How about this one? I have never wished I spent more time on my phone. I believe that one day I will wish I had all the time I spent looking at a screen back. Real relationships, real interactions, and real experiences are the things I treasure the most. 40-year-old male. How about this one from a 40-year-old female? You don't get a refund on time wasted. Time is precious and valuable. Use it wisely. Maybe you've seen it. Someone driving down the road and they are on their device. And you're like, that is so incredibly dangerous. Or how many of you, if you are getting ready for your heart surgery, your heart surgeon was, (laughs) you would call that malpractice. You wanna know what's more dangerous? Distracted parents, addicted to their phone instead of parenting and raising and investing in their kids. That kind of neglect causes way more harm to way more kids and way more hearts. You might be thinking that I'm getting ready to call for a boycott. Nope, I'm not calling for that. I'm calling for wisdom. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter five. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So what does wisdom look like? Uh, We need what Andy Crouch calls a tech Rule of life. Uh, he actually wrote a book. It's called uh, Techwise Family. I read it a couple of years ago. It's a great read. You can download it on your device so at least you can be redeemed something of your device time. okay? Um, I really would. I would encourage you to read it. Uh, you're going be going Clayton, I don't have enough time. Listen, just take one day off of screen time and you'll have plenty of time to read this book. Um, he has six main points that he pushes forward. He's a Christian uh, author and I just want to take you through five of them. This is what he says. We use tech to build our closest relationships. That's his tech rule of life, or one of them. He says, technology in its proper place when it helps us bond with real people and have, that we have been given to love. It is out of its proper place when we end up bonding with people at a distance like celebrities whom we will never meet. He says we are suffering from being overstimulated, overinformed and under engaged. When you and I know more things about what's happening all over the world and less about what's happening on our street in our neighborhood or in our homes. Tech is out of its proper place. When I'm giving the most of my attention to that which I have little investment and little power to control and neglecting the areas where God has ordained me to have maximum influence. We can use technology to stay connected to people who've moved away or to gather with people over FaceTime and Zoom. We can use it to keep up on milestone moments and celebrate accomplishments. But if it gets in the way of the people that we are the closest to, it is out of bounds. He says this, another rule. We use technology to have healthy conversations. Technology is in its proper place. When it starts great conversations, it is out of its proper place when it prevents us from talking with and to one another. When it gets in the way of us listening to what other people are saying. Tech distracts us from being good conversational partners and conversations on social media are almost always unhealthy. People are either enraging on social media or they are engaging in self-promotion. It is our own little stage where we worship ourselves and ask other people to join in, sometimes to the pity of others. Have you ever noticed, if you're gonna stay on social media for a while, I just want you to take a look at this. Have you noticed that oftentimes on social media, people fall into like three categories? They either position themselves as the hero, the sage, or the victim. Look at my accomplishment. Look at my suffering. Look at how awesome of a mom I am. Look at how cool I am as a dad. Hashtag dad life. Look at my brilliant political take. Look at how smart I am, how sophisticated, even though nobody would elect you to a school board. Look at my duck face. Look at how glamorous my life is. Look at how sophisticated I am. Look at how brilliant. Look at how bad my life is. I've been so good, but my ex-husband's been so bad. You know what we do? We frame ourselves, center stage. We make ourselves out to be the God. And we hop up on the altar, waiting for everybody else to applause. But that God doesn't save. we end up becoming more about pushing egotism and outrage to all the people around us. However, what gets cut off is the chance to engage and learn and listen, and that can be powerful. It's a great jumping off point to begin and implement online learnings and to implement them in everyday life and relationships. But how many of you have been talking to somebody you care about only for them not to hear what you said because they were sucked into their device? He says this, here's another rule. We use tech while remaining mindful of our physical limits. Technology is in its proper place when it helps us take care of the fragile bodies that we inhabit. It is out of its proper place when it, uh, when it promises to help us escape the limits and vulnerabilities of our bodies all together. When tech is causing us to lose sleep, stay up late, when it's turning our lives sedentary, when it's making us constantly available to work, even on weekends, weeknights, vacations, maybe some of you are working now, it's not healthy. Statistics are in. You should be trying to get eight hours of sleep. And how many of you? are not getting eight hours because you spent three hours. Then you wake up less rested. Emotionally, you're not as healthy. Mentally, you're not as in shape, which means that you are gonna bring a reduced version of yourself into your marriage, into your parenting, a reduced version of yourself as a coworker, friend, boss, manager, leader. Was it worth the sacrifice for you to scroll? He says this, another tech rule, we use tech for cultivation, not consumption. Technology is in its proper place when it helps us acquire or skill or mastery of domains that are for the glory of human culture. But when we let technology replace the development of skill with passive consumption, something has gone wrong. This is a a weird takeaway for me to give you. But I would encourage you to, uh, this week, watch the movie by Pixar called Wall-E. They escape this planet. Over time, people become more and more dependent on technology, more and more obese, and less and less happy. And I think when that movie came out, we were like, yeah, that's a little scary. I think if we watch it now, it will feel very much like we were watching... Ourselves. If I were to summarize the point of that movie, it would be this, comfort doesn't build character, passivity doesn't build courage, luxury doesn't build wisdom. And in the world ahead, our kids are gonna need character and courage and wisdom. Parents, you and I are gonna need character, courage and wisdom. What makes this era of technology so different is that our tech is beginning to work by itself. For all of human history, technologies were things like farming tools and weapons, things that required our engagement. Now our house gets swept by Roombas while we sleep. Our cars drive themselves, or at least some of them do. And now the algorithm is designed to trap us. How about this one? We use tech to cherish the created world. Technology is in its proper place when it helps us cultivate awe for the created world around us and we are responsible to steward. It is out of its proper place when it keeps us from engaging in the wild and wonderful natural world with all of our senses. This one's self-explanatory. Go for a walk. Leave your phone. Every experience doesn't have to be documented, shared, and experienced secondhand through a screen. Let me prove it to you. This is how weird we've become. If I were to meet up with you in the lobby after service and start walking you through my phone of all of my pictures, look at this one, look at this one, look at this one, look at this one, you would be bored that fast. I take those same pictures, put them on your phone for you to scroll through and you'll stay there for hours. You remember a couple years ago, everything was hashtag my perfect wedding? Every person who got married had their own hashtag. Now you know what people are doing? Leave your phone in the car and be in the moment with us. If we're gonna do this, you and I, we need a plan. We need a filter. And this is the filter I want us to use. First Corinthians chapter 10. This is what it says. I've highlighted your part. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is? Yeah, you guys got it. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is? No one should seek their own good, but the? When you are getting ready to leverage your technology, this is your filter. Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it for the good of others? When you think about technology, and you think about your marriage, is it beneficial? Is it constructive for the good of others? When you think about your parenting, one of the most precious responsibilities you have, this afternoon, me being on my phone for four hours, as a father, is that beneficial to my boys? Is it constructive for their character? Is it for their good? Some of you, you're in your marriage and you're struggling with intimacy. Maybe. Your social media isn't beneficial to your sex life. It's not constructive for you building intimacy. It's not for the good of them. When you think about you being a friend, beneficial, constructive good of others. I want you to run your technology usage through this filter. First Corinthians 10, get it tattooed right here so when you get ready to scroll, it's just always looking at you. Be a weird tattoo, but you know, if you get it and it does not cost more than like 30 bucks, I'll pay for it, okay? Um, This week, here's what we're asking you to do. I want you to do a family challenge. We've got a challenge for those of you who have kids in the early childhood area. We're gonna put on a fun night for you at our locations. We will take the pictures. You put your phone down and make memories. If uh, you're in the elementary age and fuse age for junior high kids, we're gonna have you do a family meal night. You're gonna to go to the store, you're gonna purchase uh, the stuff. We've even got a menu for you. And then you're gonna make the meal together. You're gonna to keep your phones down and hang out. You'll remember a couple years ago, even last year, we did like uh, no technology nights. I need you to hear me say this. It is the most requested thing in my house. My kids love no technology nights. You know why? Because they get a dad and they get a mom who are doing things that are beneficial, constructive, and for their good. High school kids, we want you to go out for a meal and leave your phone in the car. No one cares what you ate. (laughs) We don't, okay? Listen, uh, parents, high school kids, can I give you extra credit? Consider doing a digital detox. 30 days off social media. I will do it with you. I finished preaching my sermon on Thursday, and while everybody was at the steps praying, I deleted all of my social media and YouTube apps off of my phone. Crazy things happened. Uh, I was a guy who was a power user on my phone, so I had to charge it every day. I charged it on Friday, I'm still at like 40%. Like I'm, you know, I'm going green, okay? I'm saving the world one iPhone charge at a time. You know, uh, <laughs> praise God for me, okay? Um, when you get done with a 30 day detox, one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year, peel off social media, put limits on yourself. I'm not saying this stuff isn't good, I'm saying it's just gotten out of bounds. If you're a parent, Hear me, you need to have greater app awareness. You need to look at Life 360. You need to think through the parental control settings on your kids' phones. Set up restrictions and screen time limits. Uh, Get permission to download apps on the settings. If you have questions about that, talk to one of the pastors here at our church. And some of you might be going, but Clayton, like if I go off social media for 30 days, how will I know what's happening in the world and how will I know what's happening at church? Let me tell you something. If it's really bad news, you'll hear about it. But most of the news you get shoved doesn't matter 24 hours from now. I have no clue what's happening in the world right now. I know that my wife loves me. I know that I've got milk at home. You guys are at church and the food I ate last night does not agree with my stomach and I'm praying my way through this sermon, okay? That's what I know. Velveeta, uh, cheese and meat. No bueno, never having that again. That's what I know right now. And just so you know, I'm happy as can be. I'm on the edge, but I'm happy, okay? (laughs) I'm, I'm telling you, you will be okay. You are getting, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you are getting crammed news as entertainment. If something really bad happens, you'll find out. Tornadoes have sirens. Like, you'll be okay. What about for church? How are are you going to know what's happening? Just so you know, we send you emails semi-regularly. Check your junk folder. You'll find out all the things we've been trying to do for you. Okay? Just go, hey, this isn't junk anymore, and you'll have information. You need to hear me say this. We've decided as a church our strategy going forward is we will continue to maintain a strong, vibrant social media presence. Why? Why? because that is where the people we are trying to reach are at. The people we are trying to minister to, the people that are looking for a little bit of help and a little bit of hope, we wanna make sure that we are a part of that conversation. If you see something posted on my account over the next couple of weeks, you didn't do the 30 day detox, gotcha. Second thing is it wasn't me, it was somebody on our team leveraging it. I'm out for the next 30 days. I'm doing it with you because I don't want you to feel like you have to do it alone. We believe that there is a better way for you to live your life. Parents and grandparents, I want you to hear me, have grace here. There are going to be real withdrawals with our kids if they go through a detox or you start to limit their screen time because they are actually addicted. There are chemical issues at play. You need to be intentional with the time you have with them. Put a game plan together. Go buy some board games. Do chores together so you can stir up conversations. A couple years ago, I showed you a photo that I'm going to show you in just a second. Someone was commissioned to come up with an art installation that was indicative of our generation. And this is what he came up with. The art installation is in Amsterdam. It's called Absorbed by Light. The artist was saying, this is us. And people go, ironically, and they sit in between them and they take a picture for them to post for other people to do this with. And while we could easily point the finger at them, I think probably the thing we should do is go, isn't this us? Was this your last night? Was this your last week? It stinks to be a part of second service because if you have an iPhone, you got your screen report. Tim Cook has already told you, I'm right. It should convict us all. Why are we saying all this? Because we want to be in your corner. We want to be in this with you. Deep down inside I think you know that we are right and deep down inside I think you want something better. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You and I have been called to a glorious life by God, our creator. We have been purchased, ransomed, and redeemed by his son, Jesus Christ. And we have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his mission. We were meant and made and saved For so much more than scrolling, we were made for more. And every single one of you, myself included, need to start living up to our God-ordained calling. He says, throw off everything that hinders. You know what that phrase is? It's a weight loss phrase. When someone's getting ready to run, you shed the weight. It was talking about people who are getting ready to compete in the games, and they're like, look, I got to lose this if I'm going to run as fast as I want. Pretty soon it's going to be warm enough where all the runners come out, and you can tell the difference between the serious runners and the pretend runners, because the serious runners are basically naked, because they just don't want, that's why I'm not a serious runner, okay? That's all there is to it. That and I hate running. Those are the two reasons why I'm not a runner, the clothes and the running part. And people will trim down because you don't want to carry excess weight on a race that matters the most. Throw off. Question, is your technology usage a weight on your walk? Is it an unnecessary weight in the race of your marriage, the race of your parenting, the race of God's calling on your life? Maybe we need to throw some of it off. And I wonder how many of us are having a hard time living the life that God called us to because we have not fixed our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. We have fixed our eyes on our phones. And when you've sinned and messed up and you need grace and mercy, you won't find it in Silicon Valley. You won't find it in an algorithm. You will only find it in a Savior. When your life is in a tailspin and you need direction, you need a north star, you will not find that in your phone, but you can and you will find it in Jesus. And when you find yourself in the darkest valley, you won't find the hope or the help that you need in your phone, but you will find it in Jesus. Fixing our eyes on him. And I don't think you'll regret it. We're moving to a time of decision. If you are here and you have never started an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are why this church exists. Because we found him and we've never gotten over it. And I know for some of you, uh, you might be going, there's a lot of challenges in my life, there's a lot of things going on, And there's some perfect day in the future when I'll be able to begin that relationship with Jesus. That day is just not today. I just need you to hear me say that is just not how it works. Uh, You don't fix you before you get to Jesus. You will get to Jesus and you allow him to do the fixing. You allow him to the redeeming. You allow him to do the saving. And maybe you've been here and you've watched everybody else start that relationship with Jesus Christ and it's just never been your day, I want you to know that today can be that day. That you take your life and you surrender it to the saving work and the lordship work of Jesus Christ. And the testimony of this church, not just here, but in all of our different locations and all of those watching online, universal testimony of our church is that the greatest decision we ever made was making Jesus Christ our Lord and savior. And our biggest regret is we didn't do it sooner. And we believe that when you find what we found in him, that you would agree. And so if you have questions about what that is or what that looks like, in just a few moments while the people around you stand and sing, there's gonna be somebody right over there by the baptistry who would love an opportunity to talk with you about it. To the rest of you in the room, the Christians, we have been given a glorious mission, an opportunity to participate with God himself in his redeeming work. How many heartbeats do you have left? How many breaths do you have left? Because for the crossing, I don't know how many beats your heart beats in four hours and 30 minutes every day. And I don't know how many breaths get chewed up in that time frame every single day, but that is what we are spending on this. I hear people say, man, I just, I wanna be a great Christian. I just, ugh, I just don't have time to read my Bible. All right, what if you just shaved your phone usage down to four hours? Man, I, I, I wish I had time to pray more. I'm just so busy. So busy, you crammed five hours of scrolling in. What if there are people who are close to you who need real godly answers, a real godly example? That the people God has placed us in our lives are looking to us to be the light. And instead, we've been distracted by the light on our phone. I think think we were made for more. I think the mission that he's called us to is worthy of our investment and his cause is worthy of advancement. I think your marriage needs it. Your relationships are aching for it and your kids require it from us. So here's what I'm asking you to do come up here at some point in time during the next couple songs. And we have, these, we have the challenges up here. They're labeled by age group. Would you just be willing to spend a little bit of time on your knees going, God, uh, I wanna surrender this area of my life to your lordship. God, I want you to f- help me run my life and my technology usage through this filter. God, I wanna be a change agent in my home. I know some of you, after talking to first service, some of you were really pumped about the sermon and your kids were not. Yeah, well, it's gonna take time. But let's go on this journey together, let's make it count. Would you join me in that, would you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us and never giving up on us. And God, thank you for giving us the power to make the changes that we know we need to make. God, be with this church as we try to become a place that makes you proud. Help us not to squander our lives. God, give us the strength and courage to live out our convictions. Because so much is in the balance. In my prayer, amen.